am I? Who am I? Uh, my name is Rudy. Uh, uh, I am not fate, for any of you guys who thought that. Uh, I am Rudy. Uh, fate is my big thing. <laughs> but I get that all the time when I come out here. People will be like, oh, hi, oh, hi. They think I'm fate. And I just, oh, hi, bye. I'm Rudy. I'm, I'm, his, I'm his little brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually, yesterday, fate said the prayer uh, um, during the service, and someone came to me, and they just rubbed me on my chest. Oh, what a great prayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, uh, this is my wife. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, am, uh, I have roots on uh, two sides, at least two sides of the Restoration Movement. Uh, roots in the Churches of Christ, uh, roots in the Christian churches. I got homies in the ICOC. Um, I, I was at one church that claimed both. Uh, we're, they were both Christian Church and Church of Christ. Um, I have served as a discipleship pastor um, for 17 years in different, or, well, discipleship pastor if I was at a Christian church, right? I was discipleship minister if I was at a church of Christ. <laughs> um, but I've been doing that for uh, a decade and a half at least. Uh, I am now a lead pastor, and uh, I said this two years ago. Um, I was the guy uh, in my role as discipleship pastor that would would press and push the lead pastor to, and, and say it's all about discipleship, it's all about discipleship, and I'm finding out every day if I'm really about discipleship. Not about <laughs> 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 amen, amen, amen. Um, I, I disciple from the five contexts, the three marks, and the one commission. Um, that, is, that is my foundation for discipleship, the five contexts, uh, the three marks, um, and the one commission. The, the five contexts is language that I actually got from a gentleman who's sitting in the back. Um, I consider him uh, one of the premier voices on discipleship in the country, uh, Bobby Harrington. So uh, I didn't know he was going to be here until yesterday. He texted me and said he was going to show up to my class. So I'm extremely nervous right now, but I'm acting like I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so the five contexts uh, are... Uh, the first context is the public context. That's where we gather people. Um, that's, that's an opportunity for people to experience what heaven is going to be like, all of us together, all tongues, all people, all nations together, worshiping God together, the large gathering. Um, and then there's the social context. That's where we socialize people, um, where we give people an opportunity um, to, 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 to relate to one another. Uh, Jesus did this. Uh, in the 70, when he discipled the 70, that's a, that's a context where people get to know each other, um, but it's not hands-on in that 70. It's kind of a safe space. Um, then there's the personal context. You see Jesus doing this with the 12, where now you have personal relationships. We all know each other really well. Um, we do that today with what we call small groups. Um, that's the personal context. Um, then there's the transparent context. That's where mentoring happens. Um, I like to call that context the transformative context, uh, where we are being intentional about becoming and following after a teacher so we can be like the teacher. I hope that makes sense. Um, then there's the divine context, and that's where it's just you and God. And without that one, it all falls apart, right? We, we, we got to get that divine context piece um, I don't want to say right because it sounds too definitive. Um, so some of you guys have better uh, vocabulary. You know what I mean, all right? We, we, but we've got to be intentional about that um, and passionate about that divine context. Then there's the three marks. The Gospel of John lays out three marks of uh, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. John 8, 31 through 32. Um, then Jesus said to those, to those Jews which believed in him, 
If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, John 8.32 is one of the most popular verses in the world. Everybody knows you should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, but nobody knows that that's in the context of discipleship. See, freedom comes from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if we, are, if, we, if we continue in the word, which is the mark, the mark of a disciple is someone who is passionate and repetitive and continues in the word of God. That's what a disciple looks like. He's constantly in the word of God. And then John 13, 33 through 30, uh, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another by this. All men will know that you are my disciples if... You have love one to another, right? What makes that commandment new? I mean, is this the first time that, that God required us to love? No. What makes this commandment new? It's loving the way Jesus loved. Now we've got an example. God has always required us to love. God has always required us to love one another. But disciples, we don't just love the way the world loves. We don't love just the way the rabbi or the teacher or people or, or the media love. We love like Jesus loves. And if we can love like Jesus loves, then it will be the most evangelistic thing that we can do. Because then they will know that we are disciples of Christ if we love like the Christ. Does that make sense? So the first mark is continuing in the word. The second mark um, is loving like the Christ, loving one another the way Jesus loved. Um, and then um, the third mark is John 15, 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Okay, everyone's not going to agree with me on this, um, but I don't care. You can, you, can, you can teach a session later. All right. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, disciples bear fruit. Now, if you were here uh, two years ago when um, I, I did uh, the, the initial um, message on discipleship here, uh, don't respond. Um, but what does a tree, I'm sorry, what does an apple tree make? Apples? Let me ask it a little bit better. What does an apple tree produce? <laughs> shade. <laughs> My man said shade. Uh, apple trees produce apple trees. That's an important distinction because sometimes as Christians, we want to produce fruit, but we don't want to produce other Christians. See, if a species is healthy, it produces of kind at a greater percentage than what's currently existing. And if the only fruit we care about is the apple, then we miss the reality of what fruit bearing is really about. Because of, of, we, disciples should produce disciples. If, if you are a disciple, you are a disciple maker. And because we made the bar for fruit, what I think is actually God's fruit, we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that's God's fruit. Absolutely. I can't produce joy. I'm not of that kind. I can't produce self-control. Ask my wife. <laughs> I'm not of that kind. Because God 
is those things and he's in us. He produces of kind the things that he is. My fruit, people, human beings produce human beings. If you had a dog and it birthed cats, you would come on somebody. You got a cat. <laughs> Am I too excited for y'all? Nope. <laughs> all right, all right. And you don't have to agree with that. But, but from my understanding, when we, thought, when we talk about the three marks of a disciple, it's one who continues in the word, one who loves one another the way Christ loves us, and it is one who produces of kind other disciples. Amen. 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 And then the last one is the one commission. The one commission. Make disciples all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. Amen? Amen. Amen. And for time's sake, I'm going to be quick here, but let the commission be great because an inventory of our life says it's great. If, if, if an inventory of my life doesn't say that the commission is great, it doesn't, it doesn't make the commission not great, but it means that I don't truly believe it's great. Because if I believe it's great, and it says make disciples, baptize disciples, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, that's what my life is about. Because it's great. But if it's not great, then my life can be about other things. Preach, preacher. <laughs> Say that again. Y'all yes, <laughs> <laughs> with me? Yeah, yeah. Yes, all right, man. all right. <laughs> for clarity, uh, I'm probably taking too much time. Um, for clarity, uh, I'm talking attitude. Um, I, I'm talking about really what I'm doing today is attitude. I, my, my hope is to inspire and challenge you. If I, if I had multiple sessions, the second session um, today would be on contemplative practices and, and what it looks like to actually practice uh, a relationship in the divine context, just you and God and, and how to practice these things. But I don't feel like I have the time to do both. So I'm really just focusing on inspiring and challenging you today to be intentional about your divine context uh, um, discipleship with God, your own personal um, relationship with God, and if so, there will be a revolution of reality in your life and a revolution of identity. You will look in the mirror and you will not recognize yourself anymore because your life will be thoroughly and completely changed. So this is more uh, manifesto than message. This is Rudy's heart, my beliefs, um, and, and, and so, so, so since I set that up, I can say this. When it comes to discipleship as a whole, our attitude sucks. Can I say that? That's, on, that's, on. that's not okay to erase that. <laughs> we have made discipleship this side thing. Or we've made discipleship this thing that we understand. Or we made discipleship a part of the pie. When discipleship is the whole thing, it's everything. It, theology without discipleship is teaching someone to think and never to become. 
Spiritual formation without discipleship is creating mystics who have no, 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 no intent of connecting with people and making other disciples. They just become people who sit in the corner and hum. This discipleship is the foundation for everything we do. Like literally, like the 12 apostles and Jesus, the cornerstone, the foundation. We stand on a foundation of discipleship. It's everything. It's where everything is birthed and where everything comes from. It is all. Jesus is the only teacher. Why? Because he is our discipler and we are all followers of him, which is we're all disciples. It, it, the Bible, depending on your version, there's the disciple, the word is used over 300 times. Christian 3. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not dissing Christianity. What I'm saying is we like to say Christian because that's what God has supernaturally done, right? We got nothing else left to do. But if I'm a disciple, I got to follow. Yep. I got to be intentional. Yep. I, I, I got to take this relationship serious. If I'm only a Christian, then he saved me and it's all good. And it is, but I'm also a disciple, which means I have to be grounded and intentional about my fellowship. 300 versus three? Quantitatively, that's barely a relevant biblical concept. But we talk about Christianity way more than we talk about discipleship. Oh, so, yeah, come on now. Come on, y'all know math. Come on, somebody got to be with me. We're with you. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, the main reason we want to be disciples who make disciples is not because it's the Great Commission. It's not because it's the loving thing to do. It's not because it transforms lives. It's because he's worthy. That's why. My man in the back said that. Those are the words of Bobby Harrington. The reason why we want to be disciples is it's not for any of these other reasons that happen. It's because he's worthy. He's worthy to be followed, to imitate, to, to become. He is all we want to be like. We, we know that he has given us the Imago Day, and we look at our life and we say, I, I can't, I, I got to be more like you. I get up and I got to keep trying, I got to keep pursuing. I believe God's love language is pursuit. He pursued us. And now he calls us to pursue him. That's why Paul presses toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. He's pursuing God with all his might. The last time I was with you, I left you with a rhetorical question. I'm going to ask it again. Am I participating enough in the discipleship process? we all participate at some level, right? Am I participating enough in the discipleship process? Divine context discipleship, the revolution of reality, revolution of identity, this is where the revolution begins. If, if we're not becoming disciples, then what are we becoming? Hmm. Yes, you are a disciple, but, it, but, but you know that your fellowship isn't at 100%. So even if you are a disciple, you're becoming a disciple. Am I right? Mm -hmm. And if we're not becoming disciples, then what are we becoming? If, 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 if I'm a disciple and I've arrived, then where? 
What I'm saying is disciples have a holy dissatisfaction. <clears throat> the disciples look at the perfect image of Jesus Christ, know that we've been called um, to, to, to reflect the image of God in the world, and, and we know we're in grace and mercy. I know, you know, I'm not sending anybody to hell. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Because we do that thing, right? Well, I, I, I feel like you're making a workspace. I, I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, right? We do that kind of thing. But then when our husband or our wife's not acting right, we don't say, you're making a workspace. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love relationship language when it comes to, to, our, to, to our relationship with Jesus Christ, right? But when we actually think about what it takes to have a good relationship, we don't really want a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's my beautiful wife right there. She is amazing. God's greatest gift to me. It takes me work. <laughs> I pursue her. She pursues me. That's what a relationship looks like. Uh, Mark 12, 28 through 30 says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, every, every scholar, every student of the word of God is like, oh, it was repeated. Oh, same phrase. Oh, that means, it's, that, that means I need to pay attention. The most important, the most, oh, I saw it twice. I got to pay, right? Yep. <laughs> like, zone in. It, it's been repeated, right? Verse 29, Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Any of you guys achieved any of those alls yet? <laughs> Anyone got one all? Should be a holy dissatisfaction. That's divine context discipleship requires a holy dissatisfaction and a pursuit of a relationship with God that is growing day by day and we can do it with confidence because of grace and mercy. But grace and mercy will not cause us to become lackadaisical, not if we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have to have a holy dissatisfaction. Heart is the, the seat of our emotions, right? And God wants all of it. Mind is, uh, we'll use the same language, is the seat of our intellect. And God wants all of it. Church of Christ, we do that good, right? What an intellect thing? Oh, man, we good. We good with the intellect thing, right? Not so good with the emotion, but we good with the intellect thing. We good, all right. Strength, that's the seat of your abilities, your <clears throat> gifts, your time, the things that, that you can control, that, that give your gifts to the Lord. Soul, that's the seat of your person. The first three, your heart, your mind, your strength, none of those are who you are. Your emotions, that's not who you are. Thank God. <laughs> right? Think about all the things you felt. Right? I mean, think your intellect, that's not who you are. Your gifts, your strengths, that's not who you are. Your soul, though, that's the you that will always be you. 
See, divine context, discipleship is soul work. It's, it's the you that is always you, spending time with God. I want to quote Bobby one more time. Bobby said, our God is the God who dreamed you up, which makes you the fulfillment of his dream. That's the you that God wants to spend time with. The one that he dreamed of. The one that he made. The eternal you. That's who he wants to interact with. That's why we, we have to make sure, like, like Jesus in Mark 1.35, we get up early in the morning and, and, and go and spend some time, just, just me and God, some divine context, time with the Lord. How many, how many pastors, ministers, lead minister pastors at You are drained to death. People grabbing on you, wanting something from you, needing something from you, acting like they need something from you, right? Right? And then you have a schedule, and, and, and most of us work 50, 60, 70 hours a week, right? I mean, that's just reality. And then we got to deal with life, right? You, you can't decide when a funeral happens. You can't decide when someone gets sick. You, you just got to stop and respond. And then you got to figure out how to explain to your wife, I, I know I've been gone 70 hours this week, but you are drained to death. I know of two pastors in the past six months, right, that have killed themselves. Now, there are a lot of issues going on there. But one issue why there's so much depression and loneliness with pastors, our ministers, is we don't do enough soul work. There's not enough divine context discipleship. Oh, we're doing a lot of personal context, right? Some of us are doing a lot of trans transformative or transparent mentoring people. Oh, we're preaching every week, maybe every, every Sunday, every Wednesday, maybe, right? But that time, just you and God. Remember today, I'm just trying to inspire you and challenge you. If Jesus needed it, mm. come on now. Sometimes we practice evangelism, but forget to go to God ourselves. That's loving God with all of our strength, but forgetting to love God with all of our souls. Sometimes we worship God with our whole heart, but never get beyond what we feel and into who we are. That's loving God with all of our heart, but missing love with our souls. Sometimes we dive deep into the logos, the divine intellect, or as 1 Corinthians says, we understand all mysteries, right? But we never get to know God ourselves or what actually matters to be known by God. Anybody know what I mean? See, there's, there's a knowing and, and understanding. There's, sometimes our relationship with God is like our relationship with celebrities. <laughs> Right? right? Sometimes the relationship with God is we, we, know, we, we know their schedule. We, we know their itinerary. We, we know if they're a singer, we, we, we know all the notes in their runs, and we know all their songs. We can quote them all and sing them all. We can dance like them. We, 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 we got all that down, right? We, 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 we know who they're married to, who they're dating. We, 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 we got it all, right? 
And some of us lose our mind and we outside their gate. <laughs> Stalking. Know everything about them, know where they're going and, and when they're when they're going there. But if we rang that doorbell, we would know everything about them, and when they saw us on the screen, they would say, Security! <laughs> they know the celebrity, but the celebrity doesn't know them. Come on now. See, often we're doing all these things and doing all these things to look like, to participate in what looks like a relationship. If, if someone asked me about uh, Magic Johnson, I could have told you everything about him as if that was my brother. That man don't know me. Because <laughs> there's no one-on-one -on -one time with me and Magic. Mm. See, to be known by God. Is the ex now there's there's the theological no right I mean there's uh, sometimes we do this thing well God knows everyone and everybody right the celebrity knows the stalker too that's not this this is that quality time this is that being known I'm hesitating because my wife will like when I say this. This is like Adam knew Eve, known. Mm -hmm. This is that intimate knowing, that 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 one on one, that me and knew everything about. Does that make sense? Yeah. How am I doing on time? Two thirty. All right. First Corinthians eight two three says, "If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God." I think that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body yes. and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And I don't know what your theology is on that, because, you know, that, that, that verse right there is just like, just, well, it doesn't mean disqualify, disqualify. I love when we do that. <laughs> I love when we do that. Um, but whatever it means, there is a reality where you can look like you're in a relationship with God and not actually be in a relationship with God. There's a reality where you can be doing all the things when I was a player, I could dribble like magic. The whole high thing. I knew all his moves. Magic didn't know me. Sometimes we can imitate what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and not actually be one. And we're participating in the personal context. We're participating in the social context. We're we might even be being mentored. But if I don't have this, if I don't get up early, if, if me and God, if I don't know God and be known by God, then all the rest falls apart. Before I keep going, any thoughts from there? I know I get excited, so yeah. So I, I actually use the same thing about Adam and Eve. Um, being known is like open, honest, a heart level 
nothing being hidden. And yeah. That's how I get the, even the naked and unashamed. I and mean, it's like it's more than just physical. It was soul. It was soul. It was soul. And that's I know we, we got I know we got some Church of Christ theologians and all that. But in most regular Church of Christ, we don't talk about the soul much, other than going to hell. But we need some soul work. That's that's what my wife would say. We need some soul work. We need to spend some time with God, some intimate time with our God so that our souls can be in communion with God. Anyone else before I jump back in? Uh, Does it it have to be intentional? Um, can, can, Can intentionality make it artificial? <coughs> I schedule it. <laughs> you can skip it. Keep going. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I um, my, my, my first answer is, is I think it has to be intentional. Um, I know we want to ro- ro- romanticize everything, but even when I counsel couples, I said, you better be intentional with your wife. And I know you want him to be able to know exactly what you want and when you want. You better tell him what you want. He will never be able to read your mind. He will never be able to figure it out. If you aren't intentional, he will never be able to love you the way you need to be loved. Never. I think we've got to be intentional with our time with God. Now, culturally... How can we be with God in this busy world and not be intentional? If you if you got a phone, you're always plugged in. How can you ever have time with God and, and not be intentional? I mean, quality time. And, and, I, and I think all the other time matters too. But right now, I'm zoning in on this one idea of this divine context. How, how could you? Jesus was intentional. Absolutely. Yahweh here. I'm going over there. It, it was an intentionality to spend time with God. So I, I think you have to be intentional. So that's my response to that. Um, divine context uh, discipleship. Revolution of reality, revolution of identity. This is where the revolution begins. Okay. God uses people, but he does his deepest and most significant work without the assistance of people. When you look at the characters in the word of God, their most significant times with God were alone, away from people, and God used that to change the world. Jesus, 40 days of of fasting alone. You you see John on the island of Patmos, and I love that story. I love to tell. This. I got nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I just can't. I just can't <laughs> All right. So there is there is a historical tradition, tradition, yes, tradition, that that John, they, that you know, all the disciples were martyred, were killed, and the, the the tradition is that they tried to kill John. They threw boiling tar on him, and he walked through it. And because they couldn't kill him. They sent him into isolation onto the island of Patmos, 
And and I believe that, and I believe it's true because God had one more thing for him to do. Now, I want to believe that. I know, I know, I know. But that's what I believe. They got nothing to do with nothing, but I love that. But on the island of Patmos, by itself, we get the revelation. God does his most significant work without the assistance of the people. Does God use people? Absolutely. These treasures are in earthen vessels, right? He, we, this, this is a community. It's all together. But God wants to be one on one with you. And that's where the contemplative practices come in and things like uh, prayer of examine and Lexio and day of no retort and centering prayer and all these kinds of things and spending time with God, whether you use one of those tools or not, spending time with God is it. I shared this two years ago, but I was, I was watching a video on discipleship, and I was talking to a pastor, and they was asking him why he didn't disciple, and they was talking about mentoring other people, and, uh, and the pastor said, well, it's because no one discipled me. And then the guy said, the reason why most pastors or ministers don't disciple is because they weren't discipled. That's right. You can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you won't go. So if you as the leader of your church or a leader at your church or a leader of people or a leader of women or a leader of children, if you won't spend time with God, you can't lead others to spend time with God. And we will have this epidemic. Um, so many, some of us are like, man, the church is so large in number, but why are we so few in disciples? It's because our leaders aren't disciples. There is divine context discipleship, and then there's divine context discipling. How many of you guys mentor people? How many of you guys mentor people? Okay. Praise God. Praise God. Divine context discipling is discipling and getting out of the way. Divine context discipling is showing them how to have a relationship with God themselves, removing yourself so that they won't continue to follow you and that they will follow God. Come on now. If I'm discipling, okay. You guys saw Black Panther? Yes. And I'm about to mess up the quote. One of y'all don't, don't know it. That's what kind of and, and T'Challa's father said a good parent or a good father teaches his son to go on without him. He says he prepares him for his father's death. A good father prepares his son for his father's death. Sometimes we disciple in a way that people are dependent upon us <laughs> and not dependent upon God. <laughs> but divine context discipling is discipling and getting out of the it was never about you. It was always about God. You were just a priest holding the hand of God, holding the hand of someone else until you can connect those two hands and then you go on and walk in obedience, holding God's hand, holding someone else's hand, connecting them. Amen? Amen. You got that rosary, didn't you? Actually, I got that from you. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I got soul work promotion. Oh, yeah. I got my pro 
Don't talk about my business. <laughs> <laughs> follow of Christ, you have been divine. Second right. Peter uh, 1, 1 through 4, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. See, if you was listening right there, you'd have been like, whoa. I mean, if you were paying it, like sometimes we read the Bible so much, we just kind of read it. But if you were reading that right there, you'd have been like, whoa. <laughs> of equal standing with Peter? I got walk on water faith. <laughs> equal standing? I, I got the faith of Paul that, that my work could be the foundation of the church for 2,000 years later? Equal standing. I got that. I know everybody's not emotional like me, but I don't understand how you don't get excited and you read something like that. That's what we have. By, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine Power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. He's called us to, that's why we got to have a holy dissatisfaction. He hasn't called us to be okay. Come on now. Come he on. He hasn't now. called us to be average. He's called us not only to, not to my excellence, but to his. That's why I took his divine power to do it. Okay, my life is there. Calm down. All right. His divine power. <laughs> <laughs> Preach it, brother. <laughs> I get excited. I know. My wife helps me out. Praise God. <laughs> By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Sometimes you just got to read stuff slow. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. It took divine power so that he could create in me participation in godliness, in divinity. I have been divined, touched by God, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You have been defined. There's, there's something in you that is so special, so unimaginable, so great that you haven't seen it, and God wants to access it, and I believe that doesn't happen until we spend time doing soul work in the divine context discipleship. I can have a personal relationship with Jonathan all I want. And we can help each other and walk together. But this, I don't believe, happens until I got this. Amen. That's why I believe discipleship should be a revolution of reality, a mm. revolution of identity. That divine context, that this is where the revolution begins. Sounds like a book coming. <coughs> <coughs> so I'm encouraging you 
to make a resolution. Yes, I use the R word. <laughs> I'm encouraging you to make a resolution. I know we don't like resolutions, right? How many, how many people still make New Year's resolutions? Hey, y'all a good group, all right. <laughs> we don't like resolutions because they're judged by their revolutions. And when we make a resolution and we don't see a revolution, then we feel like a failure, right? So we just quit on them. To that I say, get you some humility. You're failing without making resolutions. Come on now. <laughs> I'm not going to make a resolution. You're still failing. It doesn't stop you from failing. <laughs> At least let's be intentional about our growth. At least let's be intentional about our pursuit. To not like resolutions is to not like decisions. Right? That's all a resolution is. It's just a decision. It's like saying, I want to lose weight, but I'm not going to make any healthy choices. I don't believe in resolutions. I want a great marriage, but I'm not going to make any commitments. Just love me as I am. You will be in my office in six months. If I don't make any decisions, then I don't deal with reality. The truth is, you are dealing with your decision regardless. Uh, uh, transparency. I gained weight because I decided to gain weight. I know we do this thing, I'm big boned. <laughs> you just big. You know, big <laughs> My encouragement is make a resolution. Resolve to spend time with God. Resolve to, to spend time in, in, in I, I shared some tools, but um, the biggest one for me is silence and solitude. Um, I, there's a spiritual director. She says, look, do 10 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't be two hours. You got to go to a monastery. But it's great to go to a monastery. It's great to do two hours in nature. Do 10 minutes a day. Then she says this line. Do as you can, not as you can. There it is. Set me free. Mm -hmm. Set me free. Because before, I would only do silence when I had time to go to the monastery. Only when I had a couple of hours. But now I'll take five minutes in my office. I walk out of my office, go into the church sanctuary, and do 15 minutes. It's a life changer. Make a resolution. Be intentional about your divine context um, discipleship. Is he worthy or not? Yes. You see how much I love my wife uh, based on the quality of time that I spend with her, not just the quantity. Quantity matters. Absolutely. Huh, baby? <laughs> Quantity matters. <laughs> but sometimes my quantity of time is dispersed based on the different weeks of what's going on in my life, right? 
Sometimes I have more time to give her and sometimes I don't. My quantity of time, that's shared and changes. But my quality of time, my quality of time, that's hers and hers alone. That's divine context discipleship. There has to be a part of your relationship with God that's God's and God's alone. We do the quantity. We do the quantity. I, I'm pretty sure everyone in here does the quantity. It's the quality that we're missing. It's, 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 Oshri and I eat together two or three times a day, but we go on a date at least once a week. Quality time. When do you date God? Don't tell me at church. Because <laughs> you're not doing no group dates with your wife or your husband. Why can't you group date? I'm trying I'm trying to inspire you and challenge you to be intentional about your divine context discipleship. We often give God quantity of time without quality. <laughs> we often group date God. <laughs> uh, but forget to be one on one with God. We'll go to church, but not to God. We often intellectualize with God, right? We love with our mind. We often emotionalize with God. We'll praise and worship, right? We often, I'm, I'm going to call it comfort zone with God, meaning the things that are gifts and strength that we do well, we'll do those things for God. If we sing, we'll sing. If we have time, we'll use it. While not simply coming to God as the person he dreamed up. Just as you. No frills. No, you're important because you're this role or that role. Just the you that is always you. With God. <clears throat> Divine context. Discipleship. This is where the revolution begins. Any thoughts, questions? That's my time. I got 10 minutes, but I'm saying I'm done. Y'all got any, any thoughts or questions? So we, in a way, I was thinking you were going to say we uh, friends zone God versus <laughs> huh. Amen. We do, don't we? I think we do. I think we do. We, we, we're really cool with God. <laughs> right? That's so sideways. But it's true. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I'm so grateful for Bobby because I, if, if you know me, I've been passionate about transformative or transparent context discipleship, mentoring, and I was discipling primarily in that context only. And people need all five contexts. And what he has done for me is he has given me the ability to not only have the language, to be, but to be intentional that people are, are being discipled in all five areas. And I, there was a time, this confession, there was a time where I thought the gathering part, the public, people didn't really need that, but they do. What was the fourth context? Um, there's public context, that's the gathering, there's the social context, that's like the 70. The personal context, that's like the 12. The transformative or transparent, which is the mentoring, and then divine, which is you and God. Yeah. I didn't know which one, so I just had to say them all. So. Any other thoughts, questions? Rudy, if people want to download that, there's a free ebook on that at renew.org. Renew.org. 
And uh, Bobby also has another website, discipleship.org. Yeah. Great resources there. Um, discipleship That Fits, that's the book where he wrote, him and Alex Absalom wrote this book, that um, Discipleship That Fits, where he talks about these five contexts. I encourage you to get that too. Uh, any, any thoughts, questions, confessions, anything? We got four or five minutes. We got, oh, we got eight minutes. We got plenty of time. Rudy, who discipled you initially? My brother. So uh, it was 99, and I remember walking in the church, and uh, Faith said, uh, hey, man, I want you to join this discipleship group. I grew up in the church, and, you know, I heard the word disciple before, but uh, when he said it, I thought, oh, cool, another Bible class. And uh, then he said, all right, we're going to meet every week on Saturday morning at 7 in the morning. And that's when I first was going to be doing <laughs> And uh, we got up, it was about 10 of us, 11 of us plus him, and uh, yes, we studied, but we also talked, we also supported each other. If any of us were teaching or doing anything, we were there. Uh, we did life together, we did, it was prayer partners, it was, uh, and we did that together for a year, and then at the end, we didn't know it at the time, he called us to what, we, what he had done with us to do with someone else. Um, and then I spent the next year discipling six guys, and those two years changed my life more than uh, anything other spiritual practice in my life. Um, the second year actually changed my life more than the first year, being responsible for someone else. Um, it taught me what the kingdom was about, um, and I've learned and grown from there. And then uh, Dr. Foster has come, come alongside and disciple me um, at another stage of my life because I was old, didn't know how to do some stuff. Our dad died at 55, and there's some things I didn't just, and he helped me with those things. And uh, I have one more discipler or mentor uh, for my marriage, Sam McLoyer. So those are three people who have discipled me, um, and then my wife and my mama. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have taught me a lot, too. So, yeah. But it, it changed my life. Uh, it changed my vocation. I was a social worker. Um, it, it changed everything about me. That, that was game changer. Yeah. Any other thoughts, questions about discipleship? All right. Thank you for your time. I pray y'all were blessed. But more than anything, um, I pray that you will receive that challenge. And I pray that you receive some inspiration from this hour. God bless you all. Thank you.